You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Welcome to church. I'm glad you made it. I believe God's going to speak to you today as we dig into His Word. Um, Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to kick off. I believe that it's going to be powerful, it's going to help you, it's going to encourage you, it's going to give you something that I believe that we all could use a little bit more of. We're bringing a message today called the right language. Somebody say the right language. Some of us are like, I've used a lot of the wrong language this week, Pastor. I need help. Help me. (laughs) We're going to help you to speak the right language. No, specifically today, we're going to talk about what language to use uh, to help people get back on mission for Christ. This is what we've seen as the status of our world. So many things have caused us to be divided. So many things have destroyed the unity in the body of Christ. So many things have pushed people out of a love relationship with Jesus because of our fear and because of our angst and because of our woes and because of our trials. All the things that you've experienced and walked through, we're all walking through them. And in the process of walking through all those things, we fail sometimes to speak the right language to connect people back to the heart of Jesus. And this is what my hope and my prayer is for us today, that I would use my language, I would speak the right words to connect you back to the heart of Jesus. What would that look like in your life if your walk with Jesus was a little bit closer when you left this place today? What would it look like if, if you were the speaking the right language to help somebody else get closer to Jesus? You know, we're living in the most uh, divisive times that I've ever seen in my entire life the most divided times, the most, most disconnected times, and, and the, the way that we speak to each other, the way that we blog about things, the way that we post about things brings so much division because each of us has our strong opinions and we're passionate about those opinions, whether they're right or not. They may be right to you, completely wrong to someone else. And somewhere in there, we've taken great relationships and pushed them apart with the wrong language. And I believe the church has fallen victim to that as well. We've spoken the wrong words. We've spoken with with tone-deaf words. We've we've stopped speaking the language of the people. And this is something that I believe God is bringing us back to speaking the right language. Now, when I grew up, uh, my parents come out of the hippie generation, and they would use words that I had no idea what they meant. But over the course of time, listening to them use these words and using some context clues, I was able to figure out what words like groovy meant, which is just good. What words like uh, far out meant, which also means good. (laughs) Words like right on, which also means good. There's a pattern developing here, we see. But they would say stuff like that. You know, that's far out, that's out of sight, that's good, that's groovy, which all meant good. And now raising teenagers and raising young adults on my own, there are things that they say that I have no idea what they mean. I just assume that they all mean good. I don't know what it means when they call something sus. I think that's good. I'm not sure. (laughs) But they'll say things and they'll have conversations with each other and with their friends and I'm like, what in the world just happened? I don't understand. Is that English that you're speaking? One will say, is that cap? No cap. Sus. Whack. Period. I'm like, did you speak English? What are you talking about? Like, that's that's good. I I guess that's good. I, I don't but we're speaking a different language. What happens when the church continues to use the language that we've used and realize that the world is not hearing what we're trying to say? What happens when we use biblical language and people turn us off because it's tone deaf to the culture? What happens when the culture infiltrates the church and begins to make church speak the language 
of the people and not the language of biblical right. There's a right language. What happens when we get into places of conflict, when we disagree with each other? What happens in those moments can literally be the difference between spiritual life and death, between walking closer to Jesus and pushing ourselves farther away from him based up on the words that we use and words that other people use. In conflict, the things that come out of our mouth, the things that we type, the things that we post can be very God-honoring or can be be very uh, divisive. Not, Not for you, you don't do that. It's those other people in first service, they're the ones that do it. The people watching online, they're the ones that do it. Not us, we don't do that. The right language. So in Colossians chapter one, I want you to see how the apostle Paul uses the most genius language to bring a church out of being so influenced by culture that they've gotten off mission. He brings them back to the mission that they're supposed to be on with the right language. And I think we can find some keys in that simple, uh, in this one simple chapter that will help us to be able to do and to speak the way that God wants us to speak, to bring people back on the mission, to get our lives back on mission in relationship with Jesus. That's my heart and my hope for you today, that you would leave this place on mission for God, that you would leave, leave this place knowing that God has called you to do something and you're able to find the courage to walk into it. I pray that, you, that when you leave this place and conflict comes, and it will come, Mondays come around with alarming regularity, conflict will come, that you would use the right language to ultimately bring people to relationship with Jesus and not to just drive a deeper wedge in between you and them. So in Colossians chapter one, we find the apostle Paul speaking to the church in Colossae, and there's some important things that you need to know about his relationship with this special church, and that's that this simple church was not one of apostle Paul's churches. He didn't found this church. As a matter of fact, there's no record of him ever actually being there. The church had a pastor named Epaphras, and when the church began to get off mission, when heresy began to infiltrate the church, when the culture began to speak into the church and the church began to change, Epaphras goes back to the Apostle Paul who is sitting in prison. They said, my church needs help because they're living in times where they're divisive. People are are hunting them down. Christianity is something that has to be done in secret. We're scared. We're afraid. We're being hunted. Everything in the world is going wrong. And my church has been so affected by this that we need help. Does this sound familiar? We need help getting back on mission, getting back to what God has called us to do. Will you help my church, and Paul sits down and does one of the most beautiful pieces of art that we could ever see in scripture. He pins this letter, four chapters, back to the church in Colossae, and he uses the right language. The right language. Now, there are other times in scripture that you will see Paul uh, bring in some language that is strong, but that's because he has a strong relationship with that church. He's their daddy, and he can say things that nobody else can. There's there's things that, that your parents can say to you you wouldn't take from anybody else. Somebody say amen. amen. When your mama middle names you, like, hey, if you don't know me, don't middle name me. Like, you, you don't have that kind of relationship. But when mom middle names me, I'm 46 years old. If my mom middle names me, I snap to attention and stop whatever I'm doing. I'm in trouble. Middle names are there only to show us when we're in trouble and when we're not. That's what we learned. <laughs> but when Paul speaks to this church, he does it because he's not their pastor, but he's helping them as a spiritual father to get back onto mission. And he does it with the genius language that pushes them back to a relationship with Jesus. I wonder what kind of language do you use in conflict? 
What kind of language do you use when somebody steps on the end of your last nerve? What, what kind of language do you use when someone steps on your rights? Because we become so passionate about being right that we've missed the most important part, and that's of helping people be right with Jesus. Do I win the argument but lose the person? And at what point is it just not worth it? We're so passionate about being right that we forgot to be passionate about doing the right thing. And God's word shows us what the right thing is. In conflict, those things tend to go out the window. We tend to say things that we shouldn't say, tend to act and behave in ways that we shouldn't act and behave. I was reminded of this as I was processing uh, through this message. There was a time where I used to work for a landscaping company and we did a, a bunch of apartment complexes and of course, when you're surrounded by that many people and cars, there are accidents that are gonna happen, and we had plenty of those. And at one of the time, uh, one of our workers happened to be weed-eating around a parking lot and catches a rock, and it hits the side of this guy's truck. And that, that person actually uh, saw and witnessed the entire thing, and he was irate. He saw the rock hit his truck. He saw the person that did it, and he comes charging out of his apartment, and he puts his finger in that guy's face, and the guy just backs up. He's kind of putting his hands up, like, I'm sorry. It was an accident, total accident, and this guy just rips into him, and I'm thinking, okay, I wish cell phones had video cameras, but this is a long time before that because I want to watch this whole fight. Like, world star, woo, here we go. Some of you have no idea what that is. That's okay. That's okay. It's not whack. I ended up walking around the building because I started looking for the boss. Because in those times, I wasn't the boss. I'm just a worker. The boss needs to come handle this. We're about to have a fight. We're about to lose this job. We're about to have things that are about to go down. The boss needs to be here. I walk around the corner and find the boss who happens to be an unmedicated, undiagnosed, but extremely bipolar human being. And he heard the magic language of there's a fight going on with one of your guys. And that bipolar went straight off the chain. He throws out his video, he's like, oh, you have released me, released the crack, and here he comes, like, woo! He comes charging around like a wrestler coming out for, to make his debut in the ring, and he, he's walking out, you could hear the entrance music, here he's ready to go. He comes around the corner and sees this guy attacking one of his workers, and boy, he pushes him back, and here we go, and I'm just sitting back watching the magic. This is great. This wasn't a normal day. This is amazing. Well, they end up fighting and fighting back and forth, and, and, and it doesn't ever get too violent, but of course, the words that were used are words that are not appropriate for church. We can say I'm online, but not church. <laughs> My boss ends up spitting in this guy's face, which was awesome to see. Like, what are you, what are we for? Seriously? And so the guy gets mad, and he's got his fist doubled up, and finally, you know, the, the cooler heads prevail. He gets inside of his truck, and he guns that engine, and he starts doing these donuts in the parking lot. And he's peeling out, ah, you know, has his windows rolled down. Then he cranks up his radio. And in that moment, let me just say, uh, after you've gone through all that emotion and adrenaline, you gotta have the good exit song. You know what I mean? Like when you crank up your, your, your radio system, you wanna have the perfect song that lets people know how bad you are, which means good, by the way. It's another word my parents used. Bad, it means good. And as he's spinning around the parking lot, leaving these huge marks, and as he's yelling and cussing, he cranks up his radio, and you want something like ACDC, you know, back in black. You want some Thunderstruck. Or you want some Metallica. That's not what happened. Apparently, maybe his wife had parked the truck later on that night and has had let the tunes turned up, and it didn't quite end the way he wanted to end, and this is the song that ended up playing. Check this out.
is another baby. And I lost it. I'm like, dude, you came right up to the end zone and you fumbled on the one yard line. You had a great argument going until you lost it by having the wrong exit music. And I, I don't know, I thought that was hilarious. Everyone else was like looking at each other like, is that really how you're gonna leap? You, do, you don't want that to happen. I'm just saying, the point of this entire sermon is to make sure you have good exit music in an argument. <laughs> get, your, get your playlist and make sure that it's right. Otherwise, you never know what's gonna happen. Don't let anybody else log into your playlist and put songs on there that don't belong. In Colossians chapter one, the apostle Paul opens up his best argument, but instead of using divisive language, instead of using strong and authoritative tones, he comes back with three amazing keys that do exactly what this chapter was designed to do, to bring people from where they are back on mission. And he does that by using three simple languages. I wanna show you this, starting in verse three. Number one, I wanna give you these three. He starts with the language of encouragement. Encouragement. Notice this in verse three. He says, we always thank God when we pray for you because we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people. In other words, I've heard about you. I've heard good things about you. And the things that I've heard, man, I've taken them to God and said, God, I'm thankful for what's happening in that church because they're, the, the things that they're passionate about and the things that they're doing are amazing things. And I keep praying, keep asking God to do wonderful things in their life and their reputation far exceeds all of my expectations for what you're doing in their life. And, and, and as, he's, as he's using these words, he sets the tone to bring correction, but he starts with encouragement which is powerful for us today because I wonder how many of us go way too fast into the correction and never set the stage with encouragement. You ever have an argument built around a love sandwich? You know, you say something really nice and positive and then you throw in that, that left hook that just floors them and then you try to come back with something else. You're like, eh, but you know, you smell good. And you're like, did it really work? You're like, no, that's one of them sandwiches with a soggy bottom on a, a bread. On, like that, I don't, no. That's kind of what you, what you do. But he starts out with the spirit of encouragement. He said, I've been praying for you. And the things that I'm hearing, the report that I'm getting back is really good. It's good. I'm proud of you. I'm talking to God on your behalf. And I want to encourage you today to hear what I'm having to say. I wonder what would our lives look like? What would our arguments look like? What would our discussions and disagreements look like if instead of starting out with what I think is right and how you're wrong, I started out with encouragement? What would change? He's speaking a language that works, the language of encouragement. That's important because in years like 2020 and 2021, these are the most discouraging times that I've ever seen in my lifetime. People are so discouraged that they're making foolish decisions, so discouraged that they're getting out of relationship with one another, so discouraged they've walked away from church, so discouraged they've walked away from God, so discouraged they've walked away from their families. Discouragement is the title that we would put upon the last 19 months of our world. Everyone is discouraged and they've gotten off mission because when life gives you lemons, what we tend to do is not make lemonade, not make margaritas. We circle the wagons and hunker down, just try to worry about ourselves, don't we? Just gonna, just gonna worry about myself. And he starts encouraging them. Like, I've heard about you. You're doing good. You're okay. I know you're having to survive during tough times, but you can do this. And I love how he speaks that voice of encouragement to a people that are starving for it. And if ever there was a time 
where we see our world starving for encouragement, it's now. What would it look like if the body of Christ began to speak the language of encouragement? You say, man, that's old school. Yes, and it works. That's old school, and it's biblical. Let me ask you this. Let me just step on your toes for a moment. Who was the last person that you encouraged? When was the last time somebody encouraged you? When was the last time somebody said something like, hey, I've been praying for you. You're doing good. I'm proud of you. When was the last time that happened? Because it's become so rare over the past two years that we've forgotten that we're starving for that. The human population needs it desperately. And Paul recognizes that these people just need a little bit of encouragement. And I'm going to start there by speaking the language of encouragement. It helps. I say it this way. People will care about Jesus when you prove that you care about them. This is what he's talking about. He's like, I care about you. I care about what's happening in your city. I care about your life. I care about your family. I've been praying for you. And it opens up the door for him to bring the correction that he needs when he starts with encouragement. Is there somebody that you need to encourage? Is there someone that you know is walking through a difficult time that could use a little bit of encouragement? My friend, if nobody's coming to mind, (laughs) might want to check your pulse. Look around you. We could all use a little bit of encouragement. And it's something that our world is starving for. Here's the second thing that he does. He speaks the language of passion. Passion. This is important for us because we are not just living in the most discouraging times ever. We are living in the most time of, I I don't know, I think it could be best described with three letters, M-E-H. Meh. (laughs) Meh. Because everything right now is so unimpressive that it doesn't matter what anybody does. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is or how awesome it is. It's like, Meh. And if it's really, really cool, it's like, meh. Man, you look really, really cool today. Meh. Or you're so smart. Meh. Man, you've got a great looking husband, girl. Meh. What an awesome wife you have, bro. Meh. Well, you got a raise and a promotion? Meh. Meh. That's become our word. Everything's unimpressive. Meh. Paul speaks the language of passion and it piques their interest because people are attracted to, drawn to, people are in love with passion. I have found that watching social media, watching online, that people are flocked to, they will reshare, retweet anything from someone that, it doesn't even matter if it's right, if it's passionate. If you're angry about it, it fires us up. If you're passionate about it, we're drawn to it. We won't scroll past it because there's some passion there. And this is genius, the way the Apostle Paul takes passion and infuses it back into the body of Christ by talking about his love for Jesus and his love for them. He said, I'm passionate. Passionate about what? About you. About you. I care about you. I care about your family. I care about your church. I care about your city. I'm passionate about you. So he encourages them and then he brings passion. I want you to notice this starting in verse 11. He says, since the day that we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord. 
and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Wow, what passion. Do you pick up on his passion there? He says, I'm passionate about you. I'm passionate about you because I pray for you and I ask God that he would show you things, that he would reveal himself to you and that you'd start growing and bearing fruit, that you'd reproduce and get back on the mission that God has called you to do. He does that by using the language of passion, which is so appropriate for us today. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Let me take it another step farther. Is it beneficial? Are the things that you're passionate about, do they even matter? Paul shows us that he's passionate about people and about people becoming who God has called them to be. And he's hoping to stir their passion back up to get back on mission for the kingdom of God. I wonder what would your life look like if you were passionate about the things of God? What would your life look like if instead of being passionate about the things that are wrong or the things that you believe are right or your rights or your organizations or your values, what if it turned back to the things of God? What would it look like if your life was passionate about the right things and not just passionate about being right? That's too far, Pastor. That's too far. You're stepping on my toe. I'm I'm trying to help you. I believe that nothing inspires people to change more than passion. Passion. We've misplaced our passion. We've misused our passion. We've used our passion to become abusive to other people and to to divide from everything from black to white, Republican to Democrat, to unvaccinated and vaccinated, masked to unmasked. We're passionate about my side and everyone else is an idiot. And we've lost the person in the process. We've forgotten what it means to be human because we're busy wanting to be right and we're passionate about it. My friends, brothers, sisters, shouldn't be. Paul stirs up their passion for things that are pure and right and good, for things that matter. It's people. It's their purpose. And I love the language that he uses. It inspires me. You know, my hope is that you would never um, have a relationship with Jesus that had no passion. My hope is that you would never have a relationship where it's done out of duty. Well, I feel like I checked my box. I, I prayed a little bit today. I, I read a chapter of the Bible. I checked the box. Like, does that sound like being in love to you? I don't know about you, but when, I, when I'm in love, you're gonna hear about it. When I'm in love, I'm, I'm talking about my wife. You're gonna hear, I'm passionate about her. She's passionate about me. If you hang around us long enough, you're gonna see that I, I talk about her. She inspires me because I'm in love. We're still in love. That's a good thing. Why is it so rare? I'm passionate, and as a church, we're passionate about a lot of things. Let us never have a boring, passionless church, ever, ever. But I think that's one one of the main issues that keep people from ever coming back to, to a relationship with Jesus because they see that his people have lost their passion, and they're serving God out of duty and not out of delight. They've lost their passion for his presence. They've lost their passion for his people, for his mission, for his purposes, for his word. And my heart, my hope is to stir up that passion inside of you again. That you would not settle for anything less than a vibrant, healthy, passionate relationship with God. Why? Because it's good for you. It's the only thing that matters. And let me just tell you this. Passion, 
It's not a feeling, it's a choice. It's a choice. What are you choosing? There's so many people that will get a divorce because I don't feel like I'm in love anymore. So many people that will leave a job I don't feel appreciated. What you're really saying is you've lost your passion. Passion is cultivated and grown by the choices that we make to spend time with, to invest into, to be honest and open and transparent. And I love how the Apostle Paul speaks that language and helps the church to be passionate about the right things. I want us to build a church that's passionate, passionate, always passionate about things like reaching the lost. We're passionate about seeing lost people become saved. We're passionate about seeing people go from darkness to light and from hell to heaven because these places are realities. Hell is a real place and you don't wanna go there. It's not a joke. And I'm passionate about seeing people choose heaven. I'm passionate about seeing people choose grace over their best works. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about seeing people fall in love with the words on this page that still bring life and health and hope and healing. It matters to me. It matters to me greatly. And I want it to matter to you. I'm passionate about seeing people get baptized. We're gonna watch that happen today in, in third service, the service after this. It, it, it inspires me. Because people aren't just making a decision to follow Christ. They're taking a step with it. And I'm passionate about that. I love seeing sick people get healed. I'm passionate about that. I love seeing marriages get put back together. I'm passionate about that. I love seeing people that are addicted break free. I'm passionate about that. I'm, I love watching men turn away from pornography. I am passionate about that. It's an amazing thing to see men get clean. I love watching marriages start turning back towards each other and watching passion come back and love for one another instead of just arguments and saying, well, we're, we're roommates I'm passionate about seeing healthy marriages and healthy children. I'm passionate about seeing prodigals come home. I'm passionate about that. It matters to me. I'm passionate about the presence of God. I'm passionate about worship. It's gotta be right. It's gotta be excellent. It's gotta be good. Why? Because it matters. It's the only thing in my life that does. It's the power and the presence of Jesus. Everything else pales in comparison. I wonder what are we passionate about? And how the enemy has taken our passions and pushed them to us, pushed them to things that just don't matter. What are you passionate about? I found that nothing inspires people more than passion. You know, when Jesus was walking into the temple one day, it says that he began to uh, look at the people that were turning this into a place to make money, and he starts fashioning a whip and starts whipping people and flipping over tables. And I can't imagine what would happen when, when there's conversations later on that Sunday or the Saturday afternoon as, as they're coming home from church. Like, hey, how was church today? No one said, meh. They're like, that dude was passionate. What happened? He whipped people. Next Sunday, we are gonna have, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Woo, break out the whips, Pastor. Here we go. Nobody said, meh. And when they're describing Jesus, they said that reminds us of a scripture in Isaiah that says, zeal for your house consumes me. Jesus was passionate that the church was on mission and not just about making money. And I love how Paul speaks the language of passion and we can pick, it up, we can pick up on it as he's writing. And then he speaks the third language, which I think is the most profound and really cool the way that he does this, Paul speaks the language of creativity. Creativity. 
Now, most of us, when we think of whether we're creative or not, would say, I'm not creative, and that just simply means that you can't draw. But, but Paul uses the one tool that is available for him to use, and that's a pen. There are scriptures that tell us that uh, Paul was, when he, when he would preach, that people were unimpressed. Like, ah, oh, meh, he's all right. But when he would write, they're like, whoa, is that the same guy? Because he could write. And he takes all of his creative skills and he pins a poem which speaks right to the culture of the church in Colossae. He uses poetry to recapture their hearts, to stir up their passions, to encourage them to get back onto mission. I wonder what could God do with your creativity? Who could he reach if you got out of your own world and used your creativity to reach people for Jesus to bring people back to relationship with him, to bring health and hope and healing into your area of influence. What could God do with your creativity? Paul gives us an amazing poem. And I want you to see what that poem is about. Is he speaking about their culture? Not really. Does he speak about their issues and their problems? Not really. He writes a poem about the most important thing that they could ever see. He writes it about Jesus. Look at this, if you would, starting in verse 15. He says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things. Powerful as he uses his pen to point them back to that which is most important and it's not their culture and it's not their sin and it's not their fear and it's not their rights and it's not their priorities. It's Jesus it's Jesus. He said, if I can just get their attention to turn back on Jesus, these things will fall away. These are the fruits. He's the roots. Let's go to the root and put Jesus back at the root of everything that they're doing and all these other things will melt away. I wonder what could God do if the focus of your existence was back on Jesus and not a political party? What if your focus was back on Jesus and not your rights? What if it was back on Jesus and not your culture, not your theology? But Jesus, just Jesus. I love how Paul speaks the language of creativity and there's a spark. It accomplishes what it needs to because instead of laying the hammer down on people that were wrong, he points them back to Jesus with encouragement and passion. I believe that those are the keys that are missing from our world today. These are things that our world is starving for to see creativity mixed with passion through encouragement. I believe if you'll take that into your Monday when conflict comes, and it will, you're gonna watch something different happen than just you be right and then be wrong. You're gonna watch Jesus step into the middle of a conversation that's tough and things begin to change. I believe, and I'll, I'll end it this way, if I can point people back to Jesus, he heals the heart, he changes outcomes, and he reveals the truth. I don't have to change your heart. I don't have to reveal the outcome. I don't have to reveal the truth. I just have to show people Jesus. He's the truth. Does that make sense? Would you go ahead and put away your Bibles as we finish up there today? I wanna, I wanna encourage you. 
I want to bring out some passion in you. I want to stir up your creativity. You know, I found in times of, of fear and anxiety, one of the things that we throw away is our creativity. We seem to only get creative when times are really good or when we have some free time. What could God do with your creativity? I think our world is open to it. I think it's things that are timeless and biblical and also missing. I think it's the answer that our world needs to see from the church. We've gone tone deaf, friends. The church is tone deaf. We don't speak the same language. Paul speaks languages that anybody can understand. Language of encouragement, passion, and creativity. I think those are still important today and they're missing and it's time for them to make a comeback. I wanna encourage you at the end of all this and it seems like we're hopefully coming to the end of the, the things our world has had to walk through, don't fumble on the one yard line. Don't let your exit music be something like Ace of Base. Come back strong, come on man. Come strong with this. We can do this. We absolutely can, and it's time for us to get back on mission as a church. If you've been walking far from God, if, if things have pushed you out of a relationship with him, today is the day to come home. It's time to come home, and I'm hoping that I've stirred your heart enough that you'll fall back in love with Jesus. If you found yourself in a place of sin, you're like, man, I, I've been living like hell, you're in a good place. Because today is a day that the Lord throws you a lifeline and says, come on, come on, come back to me. If you're watching online today and the Lord's beginning to stir your heart. Today is a good day to make a decision to get out of your bunker, to get out of your rights, to get out of your fear, get out of your discouragement and come back to a place of just me and Jesus. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we finish up today? I wanna pray for every single person that's walking through a time of discouragement or conflict or meh and passionless if you've lost direction, if you've lost your fire, if you've lost your passion, or maybe you've gone the other direction and you've been using your words to prove how right you are and you've hurt people in the process. My friend, I think God's word points us back to something that is pure and right, and it's just Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every single person within the sound of my voice. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose and a hope for each of them. Father, it's easy for us in the times that we're living in to get off mission, to get off track and to allow our fears and our culture, our disappointments and our hurts to make us forget about the things that are most important. That's a relationship with you. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you stir up our passion once again? Passion for your word. Passion for your people. Passion for worship. Would you stir our hearts? Help us to reach a world that's starving for a relationship with you. We say, here am I, send me. Let my passion bring people to you. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to finish up today by making an appeal to anyone in this place that feels like they're far from God and they don't know how to come home. Maybe you've been walking with God before, but you've gotten away from Him. Today's your day. 
Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Today is your day. I wanna help you just like somebody helped me one time. Right where you are, I wanna invite you to pray a prayer. I'll help you to know what to say. The prayer goes like this. Just pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you came, you died, but you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord, to forgive me. I choose you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you just prayed that prayer, I'm extremely proud of you. If you pray with me today, would you just lift up your hand all across this place and say, that was me, pastor, that was me. Good. If you're watching at home and you're watching this on your phone maybe and you've prayed that prayer, would you just click on the text and on the chat and say, hey, that was me. It means the world to us when you respond. Thank you for that. If you're looking to take the next step in Jesus, it doesn't just stop with a prayer, but the next step, we've tried to make it as easy as possible for you, would be to text us. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. Text the words, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. We're gonna send you some videos that we've made that help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. It's our free gift to you. We'd love to help you on your journey. Good for you, we're proud of you. Highridge family, would you go ahead and look up at me and stand to your feet? I pray that you've been strengthened and encouraged, impassioned today. I pray that you would take that into Monday. You're gonna have conflict. You're gonna have people stepping on the end of your last nerve. What do you do? I pray that you'd respond with the right language and show people what they're starving for. Show them Jesus. We have our elders and their wives that are stepping forward as this service ends to make sure that they are available to pray for you about anything that you may need prayer for. If you're watching online, you can type your prayer request in the chat. We'd love to pray for you too. For everybody else, I wanna send you out with a prayer. Father, I thank you for every single person that is watching this and that is inside this room today. I pray you'd bless them with an incredible week following after you all week long. Would you bless them in Jesus' name? Everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. I love you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.